I'm excited, man. That was when we were beginning to brainstorm this new series that we're jumping into called From the Dust. Um, that song just kind of showed up out of nowhere. I think we were watching YouTube. We, we, we just went to this, uh, we got rid of cable and we did the, um, the uh, AirPlay, the Apple TV thing and uh, YouTube so you can watch YouTube, which is way more productive than cable. And so, um, and so I remember we just came across uh, this stuff and uh, it, man, it was so good. It was so fitting for what, what we're going to talk about um, today. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. So thank you, team, for knocking that out of the park. Thank you for taking a stretch, like moving forward with it. You know, I, I was putting together, a, uh, this is so not my message, I was putting together a trampoline yesterday. Uh, it was a two-man job, so I went ahead and took care of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a good one, right? And, uh, and, and I, Mayor helped me a little bit, but for the most part, she sat in the the chair in the shade on her phone. Um, my one-year-old helped as much as uh, Mary did, which means she didn't. But, um, but I put together this, and, and here's the thing. I'd never put together a big trampoline like that, and what I realized when I opened the thing up, we just got out of the box. We bought it from our neighbor at their garage sale, and uh, they hadn't even opened it yet. So we opened it and pulled out of the box. Did you know a trampoline, like the, the, the mat that you jump on, is not, like, stretchy? Like, you can't lay that out on the ground and jump on it. You can't, like, stretch. Like, you, like, it doesn't work unless it is pulled as far and stretched as much as it possibly can be. Yeah, y'all got that? Like, that's a lesson, isn't it? Like, it'll work a little bit if you get four of the springs in. Probably not very long, but it'll work. Maybe your, my one-year-old can jump on it. Uh, it'll work when you get. But there was like 100 springs that I had to put in. And, and let me just tell you, th there are things that God is stretching you in, like our church, like our worship team. The, the, the stretching comes before the jumping. Right? And it wasn't until that thing got pulled as far as it possibly could be. And we had to adjust a few. We had missed the mark. And we had to move some around. And, and that happens as well, right? But it isn't until you stretch yourself as far as you possibly can go that you can actually put someone like me on it and let me jump. And, and I'm just telling you, I want to encourage you. You might, be, you might be in a place of being stretched. Do not discount that. Do not, do not get disillusioned with it. Allow it to be something that actually propels you, that actually allows you to put other people on and, and let them spring. Yeah, let them jump. And so I just want to encourage you, wherever you're being stretched, I'm not saying that all stretching is good. I'm not saying that it's all perfect, and I'm not saying it's all sent by God. What I'm telling you is God can work all things together for the good of those who love him and work according to his purpose, right? And so I'm not saying God causes it all. I'm saying God can use it all. And I think there's a clear distinction there. Anyways, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. We're starting a series called uh, From the Dust. And I tell you, I've been excited about this series for a long time. And we've just got a few minutes together. So I'm going to try to do as much as I can today. But I've, I've given myself several weeks just like our Holy Spirit series. How many of you guys like wrapping up the Holy Spirit series with a Q&A last week? Did you enjoy that? Would you guys like doing more Q&As? That's a, a fun, no? Okay, you didn't like my answers. Okay, uh, I, I, uh, you weren't as quick on that one. So I figured maybe not. But um. But I really enjoy just kind of sitting down and chatting and having a conversation, much like you will be doing at dinner parties this week. Man, just commit yourself. The really cool thing about going weekly is where we had been every other week. The really cool thing about going weekly is if you miss one, you don't miss a month. Right? So some of you, your schedule really is difficult. It's hard to get there every week. But guess what? You can go every other week, and you're not going to miss that. So I would just encourage you, figure out how, and then make it. Get around the table, talk about Jesus, enjoy people, enjoy friends, make some friends, amen, that is the point, point. and so we really want you to be a part of that. 
but I've been in this, this series for a long time, and, and um, it, been thinking about it for a long time. Where should we place it? Where should we put it? And uh, I've, been, I've been so excited about sharing this because in my heart, this is one of the most important things that we can talk about as people. And, and, and one of our vision is to see Jesus on every street and in every heart. And underlying beneath that really ultimately is our hope that you would be made in Christ, that you would fully be mature in who God's called you to be. I think there's way too many believers living outside of what God's called them to become. And I think we've settled for this idea of what the American dream is and forgotten that the Bible actually tells us to dream higher. That, 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 right? The Bible tells us to go above that. Not just stretch out, but to actually go, what can I look at, dream about, believe for that's beyond just the natural, but actually goes into a supernatural place. And so I think it's important for us to begin to think about that. And one of the things that you, and, and I'm going to phrase it a bit different than maybe you're used to hearing it, but, but I, really the question we want to answer as we go through these series of talks is this, what does it mean to be human? How many of you think that we're in a culture right now that could really need some help, really need some help on answering that question? What does it mean to draw breath every single day, go to work every single day, raise kids every single day, try or be married every single day? Usually those work together, right? Um, try to be married. Uh, the, the, how, what is it? Why do we live? And maybe the, the word that you've heard most often is this purpose to it or this uh, calling to it. And the reality is, is that being human doesn't exist without calling or without purpose. So the reason it's such a natural question for us to ask, even when we're enjoying life, we still have this burden in us or this whisper in us or this yearning in us that there is something more. And it will never be answered by things outwardly. It will always be answered by things inwardly. That's why you ask it there. And so much of the things that have been portrayed to us, so many of the things that have been taught, man, I just, I, the, the, the moment you forget what it is to be human, uh, the moment you forget what it is to actually be a person, you begin to demean it, and then you begin to think less of it, and then you begin to treat it the way it shouldn't be treated. And so we have issues in our culture today that are born out of not this, uh, not this idea that we're all hateful people, but it's born out of this idea that we don't value humanity. We don't value each other. And we don't even actually, most of that is born out of the fact that we don't value our own life. So the, so the statement is, hey, you, you're going to live short, you know, it's going to be short life, just live it up. That's not actually a statement of value. That's, that's actually a statement that says you're not worth enough to plan out your life or think more about your life or think big about your life because it's not going to be here very long. You might as well just work five days a week to party two days a week. And if you do that, you'll be okay. That is a miserable way to live. And I think there's something deeper in us that even when we work all, and even when we enjoy our career, we can still be frustrated with our life. Why? Because there's something deeper in us. And so this idea of what it is to be human, and I mentioned this earlier, this yesterday I um, was, was officiating a, a funeral service uh, for a, a man who had, who had uh, taken his own life. And it was heartbreaking. You have a family in our church. Um, I had never met him, but I, uh, we had a family in our church. I want to just say thank you to, to those of you. I, uh, Bruce and Melody showed up, and, um, and Kim took care of the baby and, and brought some food, and some of the ladies helped out with that as well. And I just want to say thank you for being that kind of church. Um, it's easy to get lost. And, uh, and so I just want to say thank you. You're amazing. You're incredible. And I love that Bruce and Melody showed up because that's what dinner party is. You know what I'm saying? And in fact, the story that what I got to hear as we went through that service was that this was a man who for years had struggled with his faith and over the last few months had been invited into a men's group at a church. And that that group of 
four or five guys showed up at the funeral, and one of them actually got to share and talk about the turnaround in this man's life because they got around the table together. Listen, you can get in rows every single Sunday of your life and still never see the transformation God wants in you because transformation happens face to face. It doesn't, I, look, I love what I do. I know that I'm here for a reason. I'm doing this for a reason. I get it. But I'm just telling you, this is only meant to spur on what is happening Monday through Saturday. The intention is not that you get it here and end it here. It's that you start it here and keep it moving down through the week. And so I, I, I'm really believing in dinner party, but it's why we have to talk about this. I mean, maybe the reason our country is struggling so much with depression, anxiety, maybe the reason that it's happening in the, in the most affluent country on the planet, prescribing more depression pills than any other country on the planet. The, maybe, just maybe, the reason we're doing that is we've forgotten why we were designed and why we were made, and there is no value to our taking a breath on Monday. We haven't, we haven't remembered what it is to be who God's called us to be. Because at the core of who we are, we, we have an identity. In, in fact, Paul says this. Paul says this in one of his letters. He says, my whole aim, my whole desire is that you would become mature in Christ. He wants a maturity a line of completeness, a, a, a word of completeness. I want you to be complete in Christ. That's my whole aim. That's why I'm going to different places. That's why I'm in prison. My whole desire, my whole hope for you is that you would become mature, complete in Christ. In fact, I would argue that most of the Bible, most of the Bible is trying to restore to us our own humanity. I mean, I would argue that Paul, right, in Romans 5, when he begins to talk about Adam and begins to talk about Jesus and begins to compare the two, and he says that Adam was the, the first man, and, and, and he sinned, and so we all found sin in our lives. And then, but Jesus came along and was the second, and he was the second Adam, and he says, but in, in Jesus we find righteousness in Christ Jesus so that you might reign on this earth. I would argue that, that most of what Paul's writing about, most of what Jesus taught was trying to restore what the enemy had taken. That you, you have value, you mean something. I didn't create you just for fun. I created you with a purpose and with an intentionality and for a reason. And, and I'm not trying to just, listen, I just believe your, your calling is more than just temporary and it's eternal. And you might be in a season right now, and this is why I, wanted to, I really want to talk about this, and we're going to talk about next week what it is to, to work as worship. We're going to talk about the next week about what it is to discover our calling. But I'll just tell you something. The, the culture has tried to limit your view of what, uh, of what a calling is to your career. As though if you don't have a career, you're not working. You know, and I'm way ahead of myself, but can I just tell you, this is, this is a challenge to you. Did you realize that work was part of the initial plan? For all the times we talk about how much we hate work and we don't want to work and we don't like going to work and we just devalue, what was the first thing God gave Adam to do? Work. And I, and, and, and in fact, God rests on the, I'm getting so, I'm like weeks ahead right now. I'm just, I'm telling you, I've been geared up for this. Uh, you know, it, it, God rested on the seventh day and he actually delighted in what he had created. See, the reason we don't rest well is because we don't work well. The reason we're still searching, even after sitting on the couch for an entire Saturday because the work week was hard, we're not resting well because we're diminishing the work we're doing. But God looked at what he had created and said, that is good, and I'm going to enjoy this. See, the idea of rest was built on the idea that we're working well with the right heart and right attitude about who we're called to be. How many of you know this series is going to help some people? 
How many of you know there's some invitation cards? I printed. You didn't know this because I'm just telling you right now. But there's some invitation cards sitting on that table back there. We've got several of them. Go invite somebody to church. Let's be bringers. Don't be selfish. This ain't food all, just for you. All right? We all got to eat. And people need to know they matter. So go invite somebody. Be bold. Be courageous. Invite a stranger. They'll thank you for it later. Might take a little bit. I was, we ran into somebody. We had, we had eaten lunch at a place the other day. And the waitress was there. And I had, we had our two boys. And they were going crazy, which is what you do. And uh, she was awesome. Like, she was really helpful. And she goes, oh, I used to be a preschool teacher. This was a Sunday after church. And this week I saw her at a coffee shop. And I went over and I said, hey, you were the, our waitress. She's like, she's like, you know, they don't remember everybody. Like, they're just doing their job. And I said, oh, it's so, like, how cool. It's so cool to see you. And she's like, uh-huh. And I go, but yeah, you were the preschool teacher. She goes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, man, you did such an awesome job that day. We were, got in, got out. It was amazing. What's your name? And she looked at me. I'm telling you right now. She looked at me just going, just blown away that two weeks later, someone would remember that she waited on, on them. And she goes, thank you. That means so much. And she had her T-shirt on. She was on her way to work. Can I just tell you, let's be those kind of people who realize we are working even when we ain't working. When I was putting together that trampoline yesterday, that was work. I didn't get paid for it. In fact, I paid for it, right? That was work. We're not into the message yet. We need to get there. I preached a message years ago as a youth pastor um, called Image is Everything. In fact, we did a whole lock-in because that's what you did back in the day. You locked kids in a room for 12 hours and said, this is fun. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, it was awesome. And then you got all these parents. You want a chaperone? It's going to be a blast. Uh, and then, you know, you, went, you just cycled through leaders like crazy. It was amazing. I, I, an image to me is such an important thing, and so I want to talk a bit about that today. Have you, ever, have you ever had this question? Have you ever had this question asked to you? If you could do anything, what would you do? Anybody had that question? Is it like usually during transition in life when you're confused about something and someone goes, let me just, oh, this is going to be good. If you could do anything, what would you do? You know, the person feels amazing, but it's such a loaded question, right? Like when I ask that question to someone, it should be simple, like, oh, but we all go, okay, first of all, who's asking, is it my pastor? I just want to give God glory, right? Like that's, I win. Points for that one. Or, or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's just a friend, and, 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 you, and you know they know your failings, and so you start to cycle through all the reasons you could never do what you want to say you want to do. You know what I'm saying? And you get really, like, you start to think about all the limits, how old you are, what season you're in, how many kids you got, you, you know, what career you're already in. If I moved, I might not make money because money is obviously the end goal of my life. And, and I'm not sure how this is going to work out. And it's such a big question. Like, I feel like if I walked around the room today and I go, what would you do? The best people to answer would be the kids because they haven't piled on all this other crap. Yeah, I said it. Uh, piled on all this other stuff on their life. I changed it the second time. Uh, all this crap. And, uh, and, and, and we, we, we kind of just, we just pile on all these things, and we don't answer the question truthfully anymore, and we squirm, and we're like, well, man, i got to think about that. And the reason we have to think about it is because we never think about it. We never think about what would I do, because we've been told what we're supposed to do. And maybe you've heard, and, and it's why even when you introduce yourself and you go, hey, man, I'm Brandon, what's your name? Okay, cool. Um, so what do you do? Now, I'm not going to turn this into, because some of you have heard this, it's not about what you do, it's about who you are. I mean, that's true, but it's not totally true, because I don't care who you say you are, if you don't do anything, then you ain't who you say you are. I'm, you know, 
I'm loved by God. Yes, you are loved by God. You know what that means? You got a river of living water, so you do something with it. Right? I give you a talent, so go do something with it. Right? The, the, so what I, my point is the reason it's such a heavy, difficult question to answer is because I think it's intrinsic to who you are as a human being. That there is a discovery and a question you ask yourself that no horse and no ape and no cricket is asking themselves. Right? They do what they do because they're made to do it and they got no other choice. Right? This isn't the movie Ants that tells my son that they can just choose to be a different thing. No. You and Ant, man, you're going to do what you've always done. But for people, right? Sorry, we watched that one this week. For people, you have a decision to make about who you are going to be. And not just who you are, but what you are going to do with who you are. Because I don't know about you, I've decided who I am, but I'm still not satisfied with just knowing who I am. Jesus wasn't just satisfied with knowing he was the son of God. He knew that that meant he had to do something with who he was. And so it's intrinsic to us to know what we do. So I want to encourage you, not, not, not to condemn you or frustrate you. I want to encourage you that there's something for you to do and be okay with that. Be, man, celebrate that. Be confident in that. And it will not come easy, and it will come after some stretching. I didn't know. It would tie into the message. It will come after some stretching and get some springs attached and put those things on. And at some point, there will be this moment where you go, oh. That's what I'm here for. And so it's important for us to know our image. It's important for us. And I, I actually think the reason the church is not being who it's meant to be is because we actually aren't concerned with what we do. We're more concerned with who we are. And when we just get concerned with who we are, we just come to church. When we just get concerned with who we are, we'll read our Bible to ourselves and never bring it up with our friends. You know what I'm saying? Anybody with me? When we're just concerned with who I am, and I'm not saying don't be that. I'm saying do that. But I'm saying let that be something that out of you, something that overflows, something that moves out of just who you are into what you do. So what that means is if you are someone created on, on, by Christ, created by God, created in him to be something and to do something, then whatever you're doing, be who you are. Like I don't, if you don't like the job you're in right now, you can still be who God's called you to be. Like, do not allow the place you check in at 8 o'clock on a Monday morning to determine for you who you are called to become. And in fact, use that place to be who you're called to be and discover more about who you are. So I think sometimes we push away opportunities because it's not quite the picture perfect that we had in mind. And what it actually was was an opportunity to get you more picture perfect for what God has in mind to get you kind of working towards something so you can work out that impatience thing before you're the person. That there's this process that's happening in us. So maybe, just maybe, the question of what does it mean to be human, the question of why are you on this earth, is actually simpler than we think it is. That's why I wanted you to turn to Genesis 1. Look at that, man. It's, it's the first page of the Bible. I don't even have to go very far. This is an easy one for you today. We're starting at the beginning. We're going to hang out at the beginning. It matters how you start this walk in Christ. It matters that you get the right idea and the right understanding of what God has decided for you and what he wants for you. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. I'm reading out of my current favorite translation. It does change. Uh, but verse 26 says, Then God said, let us, that's the first proof that there is a trinity, that it is not just one, but there is more. Let us make man in our image. 
Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule. Everybody say rule. There's some movies that are coming to my mind right now when you say that word. But, but God says, I'm creating them in our image so that they will rule on the earth. Let's keep reading. The fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own, and I'll just say this, he created to rule, so quit doing anything less. And I'm going to define that word, because some of you are getting a little bit like, some of you are about to boss me around. That's not, we're going to define the word. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. He's getting a, a point, he's making a point. You are created. God blessed them. That's awesome. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. It's quite a, quite a statement. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. And so God said to himself first, Let's create them to do this. And then once it happened, once he created them, he said what to do. See, God's thinking about you before you've even been made. God's thinking about what you're to do before you've ever stepped foot on this earth. He's been thinking about what he wants you to do. And at some point, he's going to tell you exactly what it is. But don't get caught up on all the, Like, this is not like, hey, go do this, 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 this. He goes, hey, grow. Fill the earth. And then subdue it. Like, take over. You ain't just a mammal. Take over. There is more to you than just a vertebrae. There is more to you. You have a heart and a mind, and you have a spirit. And there's something that in the, on the inside of you that says this is not all there is. It's why God is not dead. It's why no matter how much they say he's going to die off, he can't because he's in us. And he says, yo, I'm, I've made you to want I've made you to desire. I've made you to want more. That's why ants just keep creating more anthills. They've never made more than an anthill. You know what I'm saying? Anybody get what I'm saying? They haven't built a house yet. They've ruined some, but they haven't built one. You and I, we just keep building new stuff. Why? Because we're made in the image of God, who is a creator, who is a maker, who is a worker. And wants us to do the same thing. Let me read the same section of verses in the message translation. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them, this is a great word, reflecting our nature so they can be. Now this is the way, same uh, word rule. He says it so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting, there's that word again, God's nature. He created male and female. God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge. Be responsible, there it is again, for fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Now, here's the thing about this word image. It's really, really important for you and I to understand. There's something incredibly subversive about God's plan for the earth. In most creation stories, if you were to go and listen to most creation stories in the time, they were all about a God who was done working and was tired of working and was frustrated and didn't want to do anything. And so he would create people so that he could put a burden on people so that they could do the work that he didn't want to do anymore. 
That's not the story of creation in the Bible. The story of creation is that you've been created in the image of God. Now, the word image there is it's important. The word image is, is the same word that they would have used for Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a representation of God on the earth. You listened to Pharaoh because he was king because he represented the king. He represented God. And so when the Bible says you are created in his image, he's saying to you and I that you are just like God. You are, I'm not getting new age on you. Listen, pay attention. That You are just like the king. I've created you to reflect who I am on the earth. Not just one guy, not just some special dude based upon his heritage, based upon his wealth, based upon his skin color, based upon any of those things. There's not one person. All of you are created in the image of God. You're a king and a queen. You are a person who has been given inherent value from the jump. It's important for us to understand that that word image is not just to say you look like me. It's to say you represent me. It's to say that you actually tell the earth who I am by how you feel, reproduce, multiply, and take charge. Why does the church need to be front-footed? Because it is the only way we actually get to show people who God is. And so he's, he's hammering this idea that we are created to represent God on the earth. It's really cool because God is not asking you to be subservient. He's actually asking you to partner with him. He's created this thing that you and I might make it what he desired for it to become. That we are partners in this. I'm going to speak to you. You're going to speak back. And that's why you would see God walking with Adam in the garden. Why? Because we're in this thing together. I didn't create you and then bail. I created you so that we could work this thing out together. You know, we always dream of, or we hear the Garden of Eden, and we think of like this nice, curated, well-done garden. As though like it was just done and finished, and all we had to do is sit down in our chair and drink our um, non-alcoholic beverages and like, you know, some of you, and, uh, and, and so like, like we just think of it, how about this? How about you understand that it was just created, and if it's growing, it's getting messy, and if it's growing, then we have to do, and if it's, if there's an animal over there that we don't know what to call, we got to name it. Like there was some work to be done to make it what God had called it to become, but he gave us the raw materials to make it happen. So we will rule. So first we reflect. And then it says that we, we would rule. He says, I want them to rule in my name. I want them to be who I've called them to be. I want them to rule. We were created for that. We were created to be people who walk in his power. It's why in Romans 5, which I just quoted, that's why Jesus actually says, or oh, sorry, why Paul actually says that Jesus came, that we might be the righteousness of Christ and reign in this life. That, that, that wording of reigning and ruling is throughout the Bible. And again, the word, the word itself does not mean, like, be the boss, okay? What it actually means is the great way to make the translation translated it. It's to be responsible. Because if a kingdom falls, guess who gets blamed? The king, right? Like, it doesn't matter who messed it up. We're always going to talk about the king and the kingdom. And so for you and I, we are responsible for where God has placed us wherever he has placed us, whatever frustration, frustrating place we have been placed, we are responsible to rule and reign in a way that brings God's image and reflection into the earth. It's a bit challenging. And in that line that we just read, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, 
and I love the way it was written in the book that I I read, uh, this is a cultural mandate. This is not just like, hey, uh, go and have children. This is actually the idea that, that, that the people of God would be people who make culture. That's why early on you would see so many artists and so many musicians that, that were being uh, birthed out of this idea that I'm created with a, a responsibility to rule and reign. I was created with a responsibility to reflect God in whatever I do, whatever I do. And what that means is I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I said this a couple weeks ago. One of the best things you can do to be a witness on the earth is to do everything well. It doesn't mean you will do everything well. It means that we would strive to do everything we do as best as we possibly can do it. So whether you're playing a guitar better than I will ever play it, or whether you're preaching, or whether you're, whether you're checking someone out at the grocery store, or whether you're raising a couple kids, or whatever it is, do it to the best of your ability. Let people see that you value the work you're doing even when other people would cast it off as just a way to get a paycheck. Understand that every interaction you have with someone has value in it. That we can rule and reign and we can reflect God and that we would be responsible and that we would reproduce, that we would make culture, Jesus, on every street and in every heart. Because we don't want to be a subdomain of culture as the church. We want to be the church who makes it into every domain of culture. Because we want to make culture. God made us so that we can make a difference. That's why you go to next steps, to discover the giftings and the callings you have in your heart. Not just to use here in a church on a Sunday morning, but to use wherever you are. You might have the gift of hospitality. And guess what? You're going to show up at your work this week, and you're going to bring some coffee and some donuts and make people feel like someone actually noticed them. You're going to have the gift of prophecy, and you're going to walk into a place, and you're going to speak something to someone that they were dying to hear. You, you, you're going to have a gift of leadership, and when the leader is failing or when the manager who was just put there because they needed to hire somebody, you're going to lead people in grace and joy and serving and loving people well. I mean, the, we're going to have the fruit of the Spirit, the love and the joy and the peace and the patience. We're going to be people who reflect God's nature on the earth. And that's why for so many of you, you have this deep abiding desire. Going back to that question, what would you do if you could do anything? Now, I don't believe necessarily that you can do whatever you dream up. That was Walt Disney's idea of escaping what life looked like. It's not a bad thing, but it's worked so much into our culture that now we won't settle for anything less than, what's, and I'm, not, I'm just saying I was never going to be Michael Jordan no matter how much I practiced, or LeBron James. Have you seen the dude? There ain't no chance. I'm just telling you, right? But what it is, is that we would work towards a dream. And I believe and I trust God enough that if I work towards a dream, that he will work out my dream. And he will work out his dream for me. And if I would move down that road with him, he will tell me when to get off and when to get back on and when to take a left. He is the best GPS on the planet. Hello, we are, the Holy Spirit is here to lead us and guide us and to counsel us and to lead us into all truth, which includes his good and perfect and pleasing will for your life. So we are called to make culture, not just to live in it, not just to exist in it, not just to kind of hope it goes well, but to actually be so human, to be so human that we understand our role, that we understand that we are to rule, we are to be responsible, and we are to reflect God's glory on the earth. So we take him wherever we go and we change the, the atmosphere of a place because we bring God's nature into a place. 
I'm just going to tell you, you are so valuable to God that he put within you his image so that you were the plan. You were the plan. I'm going to put people on the earth, and they're going to run and subdue and fill and multiply this earth. Created stuff so that I could put someone in it that could begin to do with it. I've designed them to do with it. And they will get more joy out of that than anything else they could possibly do. It's, it's when the enemy comes along and goes, are you sure? Are you sure that you have a, like, are you sure? Are you sure God's, you know, really wants you? It's amazing. It, it's, it's incredible how many trees there were to eat fruit from. See, the enemy wants to get you confused, settling for a lesser thing. It's like saying that the lines on the highway are there to hurt you. They're there to help you. They're there to guide you. And God has given us a calling and a purpose in our life. Every single one of us in here. That's why you have to understand we were all created in his image. We were all created to make a difference. Everyone matters. Because the mandate, the mandate, that was given to Adam and Eve, was given to us as well. He says, go and make disciples. Why? Reproduce. Invite people to dinner party. Why? I'm going to reproduce. I'm going to fill the earth. My street, I'm going to reflect God's glory. I'm going to reflect his nature on this street. I don't care if I, I want to be over there. I want to do that. And maybe I'll get there someday. But man, I'm right now in where I am currently, I'm going to live an understanding that I rule that I am responsible to reflect God's nature and reproduce on the earth. That is, that is a, before anything else, before you get into the specific assignment you will play over these next few months or years or whatever it is, your primary role, your primary responsibility is to reflect God's nature and to reproduce God's glory and God's purpose on the earth. See, I want to start this series. I wanted to get in this series because it matters to me that we as a church and we as a people understand we are called to multiply, to fill the earth. And so some of you have devalued your life. You've, you've, you've devalued your dream. You, you, you've, you've made it subservient to other things in culture. You've actually allowed those. And, 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 and I actually was talking with someone Friday, and we were talking about just some of the characteristics of their life, and we were having this conversation. And, and I actually said to him, I said, you need to understand something. Like, you are, man, you're just, like, you're just generous, and you're just pure-hearted, and, and like, you, you don't say much, but, man, it's like there's something about you, and you've always thought that that makes you less than, and that you should step back. I actually think you should lean into it, because that, that genuine nature that you've got, that, that, that just honest spirit you've got, that should be something you, that everybody experiences. And then the other, her, her husband, I go, you're cynical. You're pessimistic. But it's not like, it's not like I'm negative about it. It's, it's almost like you just have this understanding of what could be better. And you've always thought that that means you should be quiet because you don't want to make people mad that it ain't as good as we think it is. Right? But I actually think you should encourage us to be the ideal, to be what we could be, to move us into what we should be as a church. See, some of us have thought that what's in us and what we have should be hidden. But the very first thing God did with Adam is make his role very public. You and I are meant to be people who understand that we have inherent value in our life. 
And that the calling and the purpose God's put on us, the breath that we breathe every single day matters to him. Every minute of your day matters. Every time you walk into work, it matters. Every time you walk out of this place, it matters. Every time you come into this place, it matters. Every person you invite to, it matters. That's why you need to take those thoughts and subject them to the word of God. Why? Because God wants to recapture and bring back and reframe for you what it is to be a person, to be human, and to see that in other people. We've all been given a role, every single one of us. All of us have a mandate, and it means that every single one of us matters more than we would ever or could ever imagine. Why don't you bow your heads with me? I wanna pray, and I wanna read this, Romans 5, 17, as your heads are bowed. It says this, since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more Will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through Jesus Christ? See, it's an interesting word here. It says, how much more will those who receive, who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life? See, your reigning and ruling and your responsibility towards reflection and reproduction, those things start after you receive your identity in Christ. See, some of us have struggled because we've been working for our own identity. But if we would receive the identity that, is, that has come through the death and resurrection of Jesus, the one that says death no longer has a hold on you, the one that says you are an overcomer because of who you are in Christ, the one that says that you have a new nature, put it on, the one that says that you can do all things because nothing is impossible. The one that says you, are, you have a good and pleasing and perfect will for your life. If you would simply surrender and receive what God has for you, wants for you, believes for you. What he's thinking about you before you ever knew life existed. You have value. You matter. Every word, every thought, every action. Don't let that condemn you. Let it challenge you. Let it add value to every day. Let it add value to every time you hug your child. Let it add value to every time you talk to your coworker. Let it add value to every time you drive down your street. Let it add value to every time you think about the dream God placed in your heart. Let it add value to every tough moment and every good moment on this journey of life. Let it add value as you are stretched and let it add value as you work because God has a calling for you. He has made you because he has a mandate for us to be people who cultivate and curate this amazing planet we live on to make it what he always wanted it to be, just like Eden, just like a place where we could all enjoy his presence and enjoy other people, diversity and life and hope. That's his desire for you, and it takes all of us, every single one of us.